everyone, and welcome to episode 255 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and we have the full crew here this week, kicking things off with the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. How's it going today, Richard? Hey, Seth. Things are going very well. Lots of news. And more importantly, Seth, the Bills have clinched a playoff spot. <laughs> yes, despite passing for 124 yards, the Bills somehow somehow won and they're now officially in the playoffs. So that means that uh, we get to be embarrassed on the national stage in a few weeks. You have so no I faith. have that to look forward to. You have no faith, you guys. Oh, like double-digit wins. <laughs> oh, wait, 10 or 9. I don't know how many wins you have, but you're far above 500. <laughs> Uh, maybe, maybe they'll surprise me. Uh, uh, it's hard for me to get excited because I've been a Bills fan for a long time, but they are in the playoffs, so can't complain about that. But we're not a football cast. We're a Magic cast. But before we get to Magic, we have another <laughs> co-host in Crim. <laughs> What's up today, Crim? Morning, Seth. Morning. Uh, my, my team is not in the playoffs, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it's just been an all right week. Now, there, there's there's been a lot going on in the world of Magic, so I'm pretty excited. Yeah, we actually have a lot of topics to talk about today. We have an early start to Theros uh, Beyond Death preview. So we're going to talk about some new Theros cards, the Theros trailer that went up at the Game Awards a few days ago, tons of kind of random arena news. So probably do like an arena lightning mode and hit on a whole bunch of different topics, like five different kind of small-ish topics. There's a new Magic game that was also announced, Magic Legends. We'll hit on that. And then, of course, answer some fish mail. So that's the plan for the as today, but let's start off with probably the most important and most exciting news, which is new magic cards. Richard, uh, why don't you, well, actually, I guess we should talk about the trailer first before we get to the cards. What did you think of uh, of the trailer for Theros Beyond Death that went up at the Game Awards? Oh, I, I like I like the way that whole trailer played out. They, they, they've gotten so much better, uh, all their trailers for the production and whatnot. I mean, is it is it better than like I don't know the uh, the Throne of Eldraine one? I, I I still think the Throne of Eldraine one is still the better one, but like this just was still just awesome. It was awesome. Yeah, I thought it was all right. I mean, it, it's not as bad as like the old Magic trailers, but after War of the Spark, which was really good, and then yeah. Eldraine that somehow topped that. Uh, this one is not as good, but you know it's better than I don't know what we had from the first round of Theros, like the the cutout guys that just move the arms yeah. a little bit, like it's better than that style. Uh, but there, there was no, there was no like crazy soundtrack that, that set the mood like the other ones we had. There was no, Which is no kind of, song slowed down turned into like a. Yeah, there, there was no like 2018 memes and, and <laughs> it, yeah. it didn't, it didn't have the traditional movie experience. It, it was just like, okay, here's Elspeth dying apparently. And then uh, spark igniting. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I I like that part when the like the little like the the little kid or whatever turns around and it's like this spooky nightmare face or whatever. Thanks to Ashiok, I thought that was oh, great. Ashiok was crazy. Yeah, I really like that. And then watching like the floor drop out from underneath Elspeth, and she's like. Yeah, I, I thought that was just really cool. I think it's funny that you mentioned the soundtrack because they actually hired like a, a Grammy and Emmy nominated uh, composer to uh, do the soundtrack. So I feel like that was actually supposed to be one of the highlights. But I think after kind of like, I don't know, the more memeish and like lighthearted Throne of Eldraine spoiler, this one, I mean, I'm kind of with Richard on this one. It wasn't bad and it's definitely better than old magic advertising. But after how awesome Throne of Valderain was, 
It's kind of a little, I don't know, meh-ish for me compared to just, I thought Throne of Eldraine was really good, and this one was just kind of, like, dark, I guess, and I'm really still not exactly sure what's going on, uh, other than Elspeth uh, is there, and there's, like, uh, zombies or undead people, so, eh, I mean, it it was fine, I guess. I don't know if it, like, really greatly increased my hype for Theros Beyond Death or anything, though. All right. Enough uh, of the trailer. What about Who cares the about the trailer? Yeah. <laughs> the cards are the important thing. Richard. <laughs> the cards. Let's talk about the some cards. cards. All right. So we got a bunch of cards. Preview season has started early. Uh, so let's start off with kind of the face planeswalkers of the set. Let's see if we have another Oko on our hands. We have Elspeth's <laughs> son's nemesis, who was leaked months ago. Turns out the leak was correct, right? This is the same card, but we're going to talk about it for the first time here. Uh, two white, white, mythic rare, legendary planeswalker, Elspeth, five starting loyalty, minus one, up to two target creatures you control, each get plus two, plus one until end of turn, minus two, create two one one white human soldier creature tokens, minus three, you gain five life, escape, four white, white, exile four other cards from your graveyard you may cast this card from your graveyard for its escape cost i i'm genuinely curious to hear what people think about this because i feel like this has been a pretty hotly debated card where some people think it's horrible because in defense of those people the abilities are pretty underwhelming other people uh think it's really strong because of the escape mechanic where do you guys come down on elspeth's son's nemesis and this debate over her power level I fall under the, the because it's an escape mechanic kind of thing. I think it's pretty, like, it, at the very least, I think it'll be decent. I think it's trash. <laughs> yeah. Even with, escape, like, here's the thing. It's a bad effect you don't want to do, so doing it twice for, like, more mana <laughs> is not that relevant. Because she doesn't ultimate. She just goes down, goes down. Four mana, create four one ones. Eh, and especially in a world of questing beast, this is laughably bad. And the only deck that would want this would probably be like White Weenie. But then they can't get to six mana to escape anyway. Uh, I, I Like if Krim, I'm, I'm playing a control match, Krim is sitting down, he's like the fairy, <laughs> then he's like, Elspeth sounds nemesis. I'd be like, um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then I would just steamroller, right? Like I, I feel like it, it's not a control finisher. It's not an aggro card because you can't really escape it. A mid-range card, but I'd rather just play like the Royal Scions or something. For three mana, six loyalty, the pump effect is just as strong. There's an actual ultimate. So I actually don't like it, even though the escape is card advantage. It will be good and limited. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I'm in I... the camp where I think it's great because, yes, Questing Beast like kind of steamrolls it, but you know what? <laughs> I think Questing Beast will steamroll a lot of things when it comes to Planeswalkers. Um, and, uh, oh, yeah, like the the ability to just come down and make some 1 1s and then just keep doing that and then eventually getting to a point where I can, like, pump those 1 1s and regain a ton of life means that, yeah, even a control deck can eventually just have ways to, like, end the game now a little bit quicker. But instead we're of in before. A world of Embercleaves and <laughs> Questing Beasts and people who play trample cards because they kill, need to get over. Those. Kill, kill those. That's all you got to do. You got to hope you can kill those. Because, because what? Like outside of that, like I have, I mean, like what? You have to ferry to kind of bounce those things, and that's as good as it gets for you, anyways. And like spot removal, I think that the biggest draw to this card though is escape and just being able to do it over, over, and over, and over. 
I think the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. I think people are underestimating the escape mechanic. I think it's also true that none of Elspeth's abilities are, like, super exciting. I do think aggro might be a better home than control, where yeah. uh, you can use that plus two, plus one pump, like, to great effect. Some sort of, like, green-white adventure shell. Where you're, if you have a bunch of, like, cheap flyers, and you're giving them plus two, plus one, that is going to close out the game really quickly. While the other abilities, like, give you something to do post-wrath. You can, like, rebuild by making tokens against aggro. You can gain some life. Uh, on the other hand, I don't think Elspeth is any anywhere near broken. I don't think it's, uh, it's not Oko. Oko or <laughs> yeah. anything like that. Yeah. And I think that might be part of why Elspeth is like kind of uh, not super hyped at the moment from some people is she does kind of look bad compared to some of the past Planeswalker, like recent past Planeswalkers in a world of like just incredibly busted planeswalkers planeswalkers that are like dominating vintage and legacy and modern like to fairies and narsets and okos elspeth does look a little bit weak compared to those type of cards and i think honestly she is i think the biggest concern is how does she really fit in the meta like if you look at the top decks in the format there isn't like a ready built home to really slot elspeth into to great effect i guess you could play her in control maybe is like a one or two of the adventure decks and like Selesnia tokens aren't really a thing right now. So I think we'll have to wait and see. I think that's my biggest concern. I bet she'll see play eventually. I'm just not sure if there's a deck that she immediately slots into uh, right after Theros releases. Yeah, best case for her is like a really bad history of Benalia. Like you play a bunch of weenies, uh, you minus to pump them. That's four damage. That's like a lot of damage. Or if you don't have that, you can minus to create two one ones, and then next turn, you pump them. And then I, I guess you can't even stack Elspeth. Well, you can, but you legend rule them. Like I, I don't know. I feel like it, it's got to be like a. You need to have a token shell, or you need to have like evasive flyers to make use of her. But I just think Embercleave, Questing Beast. Like, it is just not a good environment for Elspeth to, to be here. And if you're a control deck planning on casting this three times, like, why don't you just use ca- Castle Ardenvale? Like, isn't that just easier? No, 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 that's what I mean. Like, <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, if you, ha- if you have the ability to, like, use all this mana, like, you probably ended the game. So you just want, like, some kind of finisher. And we have lands that do that. <laughs> well, I mean, Castle Ardenvale, though, great. The thing here is you're getting... Two act, uh, like activations off of Ardenvale, and the ability to gain the life is pretty big. I don't know. I, I, <laughs> we all, like, we all well, live in a world of fires of invention, right? Like, who even needs mana, right? Like, you just play Kenrith and gain some life. I don't know. Yeah, like I, I don't think this would go. Actually, this could also potentially go into a random like Jeskai Super Friends deck or something like that if you wanted it to. But like the ability to like just gain the life and just keep doing this over and over. It, for six is pretty major. <laughs> so Krim I plays think... Elspeth. Opponent plays like two flying cavaliers, kills them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, five two, life. Sorry, two two cavaliers like that. I, I think, yeah, like if if I get dunked on by like a bunch of cavaliers, sure, whatever. But like I, I do, I do think that the the ability to just keep doing this over and over and over has some kind of merit to it being played. Like obviously, it just doesn't look as good when when it, we've had Okos, right? That's the only yeah. thing. And I don't know how good like the repeatability wind up being, honestly, in our current meta. I think in a lot of standards, it would be insane. But we just have so many really powerful linear decks that close out the game so quickly, like Fires decks, the Ramp decks, like once they get a Nissa on the battlefield, things just like spiral out of control, Corvald from the Jun Food decks. So it might be that the format just 
doesn't really line up that well with like the long, slow, grindy, like play Elspeth three times over the course of the game. Cause other decks are just like so powerful and so linear right now. Thanks to some really pushed throne of Eldering cards. How about I commander? Mean, eh. So the problem with planeswalkers is they kind of just get murdered immediately. <laughs> this one doesn't look too aggressive. It's like the Tybalt problem. It's like, ah, I see a planeswalker. It doesn't look too bad. and won't attack you. But if it, if she does get murdered, you can escape her. But. What do those abilities do in Commander? <laughs> like, they, they don't look great for Standard. I think two one ones and 5 Life and a little pumping look even worse in the context of, like, multiplayer Commander. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know about it, that card in Commander, but, yeah. Also, right. we have another another Planeswalker, though. One right. thing that's nice, yeah. uh, this Elspeth lives through a planner cleansing. Just saying. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't how, live, how, but you have to cast it again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yield 12 mana, planar cleansing, keep my health alive. I mean, that happens often <laughs> if you play the blue-white deck in standard. <laughs> oh, that's true. Watch. Like, we, I, I trash talk Elspeth. Next Mythic Championship, Elspeth wins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like, how? So much value. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's move on to Ashok. Nightmare Muse. Is this the right one? Yes, this is the right one. Three blue and a black five starting loyalty. Plus one, create a two, three blue and black nightmare creature token with whenever this creature attacks or blocks, each opponent exiles the top two cards of their library. Minus three, return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand. Then that player sacrifice exiles a card from their hand. Minus seven, you may cast up to three face-up cards your opponents own from exile without paying their mana costs. Is this Teferi, uh, like a hero of Dominaria? No. I'm going to say that now, but it, it, it for a five-mana Planeswalker, I think this card is still pretty sweet. I really like the minus three a lot. The plus one also gets wrecked by Questing Beast uh, <laughs> because the creature is a two-three. I do think that this card could have been a 3-3, three, three, or this token could have been a 3-3. Three, three. I mean, what, Garrick Primal Hunter poops out a 3-3? Three, three, whatever, right? Like, the thing here is, I, I, I think this card is pretty cool, though. I, and I, I do see, like, uh, it being played, because first off, now Demir has a way to deal with enchantments outside of just Brazen Borrower. So, it, it's nice to be able to bounce stuff, and uh, the exile from your the hand is pretty cool. Yeah, if you can uh, get your opponent empty-handed, then that ability becomes really powerful, because you can make your opponent pick up their best thing, and it ends up getting exiled. I think Ashiok is a card for me. I really love the design of Ashiok. Uh, I'm glad that we're getting, like, further and further away from <laughs> when we used to have to complain about, like, oh, every Planeswalker plus one draw a card, negative something kills something, ultimately in the game Ashiok, in a couple though. turns. <laughs> but, no, Ashiok is very different than that. It pluses to make a token. That's not really drawing a card. It does have a removal negative, and then the ultimate, I think, is actually, like, pretty interesting. I feel like, for me, this feels like more of a fun card than a super competitive card. Not that it couldn't show up as, like, you know, in small numbers, in some sort of control deck or mid-range deck in standard, but it seems super sweet for, like, Gaunty, steal-your-stuff style commander decks. Like, I, I really like that aspect of Ashiok, just, like, how it works. Being able to cast stuff from your opponent's exile zone is really cool. You can kind of, like, build around it. It ultimates quickly. So I think it's, like, medium power level, but I really like the design. Yeah, I, I think Ashok has potential, and I think uh, Ashok has potential because it follows the cookie cutter template. So 5 CMC plus 1 is card advantage, so not draw a card. This poops out a body. Uh, minus 3 affect the board, which is bounce a creature or bounce a non permanent. And then minus 7, you basically win the game. Uh, so 
you know, that's fine, right? Uh, I, I, I do agree with Krim. It should be like a 3-2 token or a 3-3 token because questing beast just makes us look silly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, funny enough, it goes up to 6 loyalty at 5 CMC, what Oko does at 3 CMC. <laughs> but I don't know. I think it's a good card. Uh, it... it it exiles on block or attacks, which is pretty yep. good. So you can like block, block ultimate. Uh, so I actually like it. I think it's a pretty solid card. I don't know if we'll, we'll see play because it's slow and standard is pretty fast and we have questing B still. But I whoa, think whoa, whoa, Ashiok whoa. has more potential than Elspeth. <laughs> whoa. I, I feel I, like I would rank Elspeth over Ashiok, I think, in terms of standard potential personally. I do, I do rank Ashiok over Elspeth. With your biases or without your biases? <laughs> like, like without my biases. Uh, I I do think that, like, it is... That's pretty good. It creates a 2-3, so the 2-3 doesn't die to stomp, stuff like that. Um, and, and it is pretty major, the ability to bounce any permanent. Because a lot of the times, like, oh, well, if I play a blue-black deck, I do need to add white because, you know, I want to be able to, like, deal with enchantments a little more efficiently. But now I have something, at least... Uh, like, so I don't get blown up by experimental frenzies and stuff like that. Um, uh, but yeah, like, I, I think, like Richard mentioned, this card just exiling on blocks and attacks and just can create a 2-3 uh, every turn does kind of just add to its value when it does ult. It ults very quickly. And uh, yeah, pretty sweet card. Yeah, you can cast other face-up cards, too. It doesn't have to be with the creature. So if yeah. you somehow... Yeah. I, what's, like, a like Vraska's Contempt, something like that, you could, like... You can actually cast, or yeah, or you can like actually play a deck more build around that. We have uh, like the other Ashiok, which yep. mills and exiles. <laughs> Ashiok tribal. We, yeah, yep. you can play like an Ashiok tribal, or like Leyline of the Void is actually a decent answer to like the cat oven style deck. So it shows up in some sideboards anyway, and this all of a sudden just like takes advantage of all the cards you're exiling. You get your choice of anything that goes to the graveyard for the whole game. So I don't think you have to like go super deep to build around it to like make that ability very powerful if you can actually get to seven loyalty just use yeah. kaya which go, isn't that hard esper <laughs> yeah you can i guess <laughs> you could try that uh like but th- I, this this also I, I think i like the fact that this ashok can actually be a little more aggressive in a weird way than the other ashoks the other ones kind of didn't really do anything to like lower your health total they're just people are just like okay cool you're exiling my my library or something like that i'm just gonna ignore ashok and just keep hitting you but now in a control matchup where if this resolves it creates a two three they can also do something so i kind of like that yeah all right uh next up we have the return of one of our gods athreos shroud veiled four white and a black legendary enchantment creature god four seven indestructible as long as your devotion to white and black is less than 7, Athreos isn't a creature. At the beginning of your end step, put a coin counter on another target creature. Whenever a creature with a coin counter on it dies or is put into exile, return that card to the battlefield under your control. I think seeing uh, these style gods return in Theros Beyond Death definitely helps explain why Wizards eventually did ban Oko. Could you imagine how how <laughs> sad you would be if your indestructible, super expensive, mythic god you open is just like an elk every game? Oh, that would have been so depressing. <laughs> Oko would have definitely like blanked this entire set. 
<laughs> do, you, do you think that the, so this is the buy a box promo which i actually didn't realize when i was first reading this card i if you had told me this was a god from the set proper i think i would have probably believed you how good do you think this card is outside of commander i think it's like pretty easy commander staple like the abilities work well uh, you slowly build up counters you can put them on your opponent's creatures and then like kill them and steal them so i think i would play this in a decent number of decks in commander what about standard though uh i just don't see what creatures like what am i gonna try to get back like your your cat or something like that <laughs> <laughs> well you can like and even then they can, yes right <laughs> you don't have to coin your opponent's creatures you can coin anything yeah. Yeah, you can protect but, your own creatures with it. I don't know. I just don't really... This, it this reminds is a card me I'm of, like, cr- opposite of Tetsamok. <laughs> like, like, you play this thing, and then you slowly coin up all your creatures so your opponent can't wrath, or you coin up their creatures and kill them and then take them. But it's just, like, every turn, it's, like, impeding doom, and if you don't deal with this soon, <laughs> you're going to die, right? But I think an Orzhov midrange deck would play this. Is that a thing? I don't know. I tried last season to play Orzhov midrange. It wasn't bad. Uh, I, Basilica Belhaunt is in the format, right? That's, yeah. Uh, that's four. That's four devotion Seraph, to this card alone, right? <laughs> Seraph is think, also in the format, so you, you do get that. And uh, I think the Cavaliers are really good with this. Like, those yeah. are some... Not only do they add three mana, but those are some sweet creatures to put a counter on because you get... Uh, some of them have sacrifice abilities, like the black one, and then you get value when they die and when they enter the battlefield. So, like, if you put a counter on your, like, Cavalier of Night, and then it dies, you get to reanimate something, and you get back Cavalier of Night, which then gets to kill something of your opponents, and then you put another coin counter on it so maybe some sort of like orzov mid-rangey deck could use aethrios as a top end and have it be pretty powerful or and you get the cute interaction of cavalier of dawn if you need a board you can target athrios yeah and it, if it somehow dies you can get back aethrios like uh, from your graveyard well yeah <laughs> like if it, they somehow remove indestructible or something <laughs> like that but yeah <laughs> so i yeah you can you can exile or bounce i don't know I, yeah. I actually think Athreos is, like, the best of the three cards that we've seen here today. More likely to see play in standard. Wow, that's a, that's high praise for Athreos. There, there is a world where this card is good, right? If you're playing against an Orzov deck and they make it to six mana, this thing is a big pain to deal with. Uh, the question is, can you ever make it to six mana in standard without dying? Like, is there going to be, like, a 12-12 Hydroid Crisis there? Or, you know, are you already dead? Uh, but... I, There's just so much card advantage with this thing, right? And it's hard to deal with. The ability is pretty slow, though. I think yeah. that's another thing. It's, like, it, it, if it sits out for like a bunch of turns, it's going to be close to unbeatable. But that means it nothing does happened all game, anyways, right? Like, I, I mean, at that point, almost everything, anything can kind of win there. Well, the first <laughs> coin happens as, like on the end step after on you your cast, end step, right? Yeah. right? So you don't have to wait a full turn cycle. No, but like the thing is, it doesn't do anything, right? Like immediately. And if it's not, if you don't have like devotion, it's not, and it's literally just, it just sits there, it puts a coin on the field, and maybe you just die after that. Or, or even better, you know, like the, it just, they just play a Teferi or something and bounce this or a, like Ember Cleave you all the same, right? Like can kill you. So, uh, it, it is a bit for six mana. Yeah. I, I agree. I, I, yeah. I mean, they said, Eldraine power levels where they wanted it. We we don't it, see Theros just like going over the top. So it'll be interesting to see how these cards interact. And maybe these cards are more I, powerful when yeah. we see the rest of the set. But so far, the question is like, can you beat a turn four 
fires of invention can you beat an Embercleave? can you beat a questing beast and all these cards so far are like eh, i don't know or a turn for elspeth right 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 richard <laughs> I, I mean really talking. though we've seen we've seen like five cards or something yeah. that have been officially spoiled so i think like we'll see I, and the other thing about this set so far we've seen like devotion returning constellation these are like critical mass mechanics so it's really hard to like judge the power level of devotion until you see how many devotion payoffs and support cards are in the set or like constellations the and champion i think that card is potentially legitimately uh, busted like the best enchantress we've ever seen but until you see like how many different enchantments there are to trigger it into like to support the archetype it's really hard to make sense of them when like <clears throat> when something like questing beast it just like jumps off the page like oh my god that's like so much text that's obviously a broken card so i feel like we need to see more of the set before we can like really start to judge the power level just because of like the mechanics that are in this set so yeah no i mean that's true. champion do you guys think we're gonna get a hexproof creature or are we gonna stick with heroic this time around I think there's going to be a heroic hexproof creature, and then I'm just going to like have to like not play standard. Can't be and then, <laughs> like, yeah, can't be countered. <laughs> it's <laughs> super carnage tyrant. I mean, there might be a big expensive hexproof no, 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 creature, no. like a one or two drop. Not not a carnage tyrant. I, I don't. I don't think so. I would be surprised. Like a boggle. I hope that it's yeah, like something like that, or like invisible stalker, you know, something along that line to support all these enchantments, or uh, we're just gonna be like, forget it, since your guys can be cast as enchantments or creatures, <laughs> it's okay if you get two for one on the way down. I could see some kind of I don't I, like I could see some kind of bogglish card or something that boggle decks will want to play. I mean, there's like a decent amount of things that are going to be coming out of this set, right? When like that are probably going to be enchantments, so... Eh. I, I hope that the enchantment theme of the set is more like like Legacy Enchantress. That is, like, when I see Satessan Champion, I what I don't want it to be is like, oh, I play my Hexproof creature, and I play a bunch of auras, and I, like, do this miserable thing that everyone hates. I think it would be more fun if it was more of, like, the go wide, draw a bunch of cards, like you kind of see with Legacy Enchantress. So my hope is that's the direction enchantments go, more so than, like the heroic load up one creature with all the auras you can and just like try to jank people out plan but <laughs> I, I guess I, we'll see I think jank that's honestly a thing <laughs> yeah like I, I think that'll I don't even think that'll be jank I think that'll be pushed because <laughs> yeah. if, if, if we've seen anything these last couple of sets there's just the archetypes that are pushed cards that are pushed and when you see something like uh, the champion get revealed, it's just like, well, they're, they're probably going to make it a thing. It's going to yeah. be a thing. So in case listeners are asking why, so Satessian Champion is a three mana one three, and then whenever an enchantment enters the battlefield you control, put a plus one plus one counter on champion and draw a card. And then there's also uh, the blue-white staggering insight. When yeah. enchanted creature, enchant creature, it gets plus one plus one, has lifelink, and whenever it deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. Uh, yeah, so there yeah. are like, some Hooray, pretty have... good enchantments uh, that yeah, are going on. Super back. curious Hooray. obsession. Hooray! Yes, I'm so though, glad so. we get to do that yeah. again. That's like makes it even even <laughs> more miserable because you can't race them now. Oh, oh, wizards! No, not like this. Oh, I was I, when people asked me what I was most happy rotated. A lot of people said like Teferi and Nexus. I picked Curious Obsession. Boy, did I hate that card. So. 
<laughs> I'm a little sad that we're going to deal with it again. Yeah, except now this curious possession is going to be attached to better creatures, do, does more <laughs> things, um, and it's great. Yeah. I, I have to say, though, since we, we wandered into Satessan Champion, I think this card is maybe, I think it is the best enchantress we've seen, because not only does it give you the engine that we've seen on traditional enchantresses, but it ends up the biggest creature on the battlefield, which normally, like, the cost of playing enchantresses is you play really, like, lacking in power creatures, so they can be an engine and draw you cards. This one totally, like, gets around that issue, and at Pioneer, you can play this, and then play Eidolon of Blossoms the next turn, and just, like, draw all the cards, which is what I'm, <laughs> what I'm mostly excited <laughs> about, is, uh, is that curve, so I'm really, I really want to play this card and i hope it doesn't become a miserable (laughs) boggles card that i hate a few months from now because right now i'm hyped for it so i've been playing both boggles and heroic in pioneer (laughs) so i'm very well versed in like all of these (laughs) cards and suggested champ is okay it's a bit slow at three mana so seth is imagining a game where you know he goes super wide draws all these cards but normally if you're playing like a boggles ish deck like, it doesn't matter that your Enchantress, like, SRAM, is a 2-2 because you're loading up with enchantments anyway, right? So the body is not particularly relevant, uh, but this is, like, another option uh, to get an Enchantress-style card. So it is a bit slow, but it is card advantage, right? And if you untap with this thing alive, you're probably going to win the game. Uh, so I, I do like it, and I do think we're going to load up we, we will make boggles or bad boggles in standard. Either one, right? Like, you'll try to load up your heroic creature and hope it doesn't die, or uh, they'll actually give us, like, a, a real boggle, and then we will have the funnest time in standard <laughs> with, like, non-interactability. I cannot imagine how, how miserable I'd be if, like, I tried to kill this and they Veil of Summer. So, thankfully, Veil of Summer is gone. <laughs> so, like... <laughs> Uh, we we need we don't we need no bandless standard. This is where we're at. <laughs> we need no, no, no bandless standard to have all the fun in standard now. <laughs> Please uh, no. All right, we we've we have spent a long time talking about exactly th- three Theros <laughs> cards, like half the cast, and we have like five arena topics and a new magic game that we wanted to get Lightning to. So round. I think. <laughs> I think we got to go lightning round. We got to move on from Theros, but don't worry. There will be tons of more Theros previews we'll be talking about over the next few weeks. We got the schedule. Uh, there's like, I think one a week during Christmas week. So next week. And then we start off full spoiler season actually before the first of the year, uh, the Monday after that, after, uh, Christmas. So, uh, so that is all coming soon, but let's talk about some arena stuff. So arena lightning round. We have, I think five different topics we want to touch on. Uh, first off, number one. One, they announced some changes to historic in the way they're handling the ban list, which is suspension, something we have never really seen before. Basically, uh, if a card's suspended, it goes on a temporary ban list for a uh, a season, I believe, and then uh, they will decide whether it gets permanently banned or comes back off the suspension list and re-enters the format. Thoughts on historic suspensions in this new way of doing bannings? Well, in the first Injured round, reserve. Or injuring reserve because these cards are broken. <laughs> you can pull the old Patriots and put Tom Brady on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, that, that, that's the injured it. watch list. That's not injured reserve. Yeah. That's like the 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 injury report. But yeah, once yeah, upon yeah. a time, Field of the Dead, Veil of Summer, Oko, Thief of Crowns. Thank so all the standard all stars now also banned in historic or suspended. Sorry. Yeah, suspended. I I think it's bad. I I think they should just call it banned and then unban it later. Like I don't know what the suspension even means is it coming back like it's not as harsh <laughs> but it 
effectively uh, is. Like, I, oh, I don't no, know. No. You can't play it with these cards. It doesn't sound <laughs> as bad. It's still the same thing as a banning, I think. I mean, like, I, don't, I don't know when these unbanned. would ever come off the ban list, right? Like, Or I hope these never come off the ban list. Like, this yeah, is I, I, the watch there's list no way people are requesting, right? There's no way they're coming Like, I don't know. Maybe, and maybe it's just... I feel like I'm I'm glad that they actually took the time to like like suspend cards, but I feel like at the same time it's like just a I don't know how many people are playing historic, but I I, I am enjoying it, and it it is it is a lot better. I I'm I'm happy that they don't have these cards in there because like the Kethis deck would just protect Kethis, and that's just super annoying. So I don't know. <laughs> so I I will say. I like the idea of the suspension list. I wouldn't like it in paper formats or non-historic formats, but I think the historic is a good place to, like, test out weird things. I think if you want to do, like, suspensions to shake up a format and see what happens, I kind of like that idea. On the other hand, this first list of suspensions, it's basically a ban list, in my opinion. Uh, I can't imagine that any of these cards will re-enter the format in March, uh, and I expect they will all go on the permanent ban list, so it's a, a little bit weird, but I could envision a world where, like, maybe you can do cool things with suspension, where, like, something is annoying or, like, slightly too good, but you know that there's new cards coming out with the next, like, drop of cards, and you don't want to get rid of it forever because you think you, like, print an answer to it or something, so you can just, like, suspend it and then maybe put it back in, so... I like the idea, although I think of these cards as just basically being banned, because I can't imagine that that's not what'll happen when they officially ban things in March. Like, I bet you this came from Standard. When they <laughs> when they banned Field of the Dead and Oko took over, they're like, oh boy, we shouldn't have banned Field of the Dead, <laughs> but it's too late now. <laughs> what if we just brought it back, right? And I think that's the intent of suspension, uh, but... I don't know. Effectively, they're bannings, and if they come back, they come back. They also did say that you don't get wild cards again. Like, you get the difference. <laughs> so you basically can maximum just get four of uh, a wild card, and then if you got some before, you just get the difference of them. It's it's convoluted, but you do get some reimbursement, but you don't get free wild cards every time a, a card is banned in a format, like standard and then historic and then brawl or whatever. All right, topic number two, Arena related. Uh, we got a new Brawl event uh, with a new form of monetization. Basically, Brawl had only been once a week on Magic Arena. Well, from uh, for a month, I think it's like December 14th through January 16th, you can pay 10,000 gold, 2,000 gems, and you get access to a Brawl queue as much as you want. Play it all the time. You also get a uh, Reese the Redeemed, uh, I think it is, uh, the one-mana like Selesnia commander. What do you think of this Brawl event and this form of monetization? that we haven't seen before uh, I still don't really understand why like it's an event that you have to pay to play and enter and whatnot I, I think that it should just already be on arena like I don't know why we're paying more for it it's basically almost a subscription fee right like there there is no event because there's no prizes right but you're basically paying to have access to a brawl queue because you just play unlimited uh, no no matter how many wins or losses you get. And they're basically trying to drain gold from the economy for Theros so that you, uh, when Theros release, you don't hoard gold and just buy all the packs and spend no money, that you have to spend more money. Uh, I think it's incredibly greedy. Like, we've paid for the cards. 
now we have to pay for Brawl. And then before, they're like, oh, but we can't have a Brawl queue. There's not enough players, blah, blah, blah. And then here they go. They put it out, and then they charge us for it. So I don't know. It's a bit disingenuous. It feels very money-grabby. And uh, I don't know why it's just not free. <laughs> so I, 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 I agree. I think that... Uh, it's pretty jarring because traditionally in Magic for the past 25 years, you uh, buy the cards and then you play for free. Or if you are paying to play, you're paying for a tournament where your money's going into the prize pool, essentially, uh, which kind of justifies it. So it is pretty jarring. My guess is this is a test with Wizards talking about like bringing Pioneer to the client eventually to see if this is a possible like monetization avenue based on the response. I'm guessing that it's probably not going to uh, continue in the future, uh, but who knows? Maybe tons of people complain and then pay for it and play anyway. We we have been known to do that as Magic players. I, I did that. Question <laughs> for you, though. Question. I, this is something I've been pondering. What is different between this and Command Zones at Magic Fest? You're paying for a uh, space. There's rent to be... You know, so it costs the GP, it costs Magic Fest more essentially to, cause I mean, you gotta pay for servers or whatever to keep, I know it's a like tiny amount, but there is some, some cost that Wizards is paying to let you play Brawl on their client. Right. Which is offset by the fact that I had to buy my deck somehow, right? Like I, I spent all this money to construct my deck. And then, yeah, I mean, you can charge. Like there's no reason why they can't charge a monthly subscription fee like a MMO. Right? Like, you could, because they do have costs. But at the same time, like, we play all these other game modes for free. I've spent a ton of money on this deck. This game is already way more expensive than any other game. Why are we getting fleeced for 10,000 gold for, like, nothing? Right? Like, I, I like I don't know. Like, there, there's always reasons why they can charge, right? They're a business. They can do whatever they want. I just feel it's not comparable to, like, say, the Command Zone, where the money is not going to Wizards, it's going to Channel Fireball, who has to actually rent the space, have to pay for staff and things like that. This one is like, eh, we'll just charge 10,000 gold for no reason. Also, you get to partake in the gathering part of Magic at Command Zone, and actually, I don't know, it's a cool, like, social interactive, uh, like, kind of experience. You kind of pay for that, too. That... That makes sense. And uh, that was more just me, like, something I've been pondering over, because it seems like on its face a little bit similar. You pay X dollars to play whatever format for Y period of time. But uh, I was curious what your opinions were. Anyway, we got to keep moving. Worlds <laughs> this year is coming to Magic Arena. Traditionally has been a paper tournament. First time ever going to be in digital. What do you think about Worlds moving to Magic Arena? I feel like I have to, like say this and like it's it's a really unpopular opinion apparently but i like it going to digital uh makes the viewer experience a lot better i mean i like as i don't know maybe maybe i'm slowly sliding backwards and being more of a casual player while richard's double mythicking <laughs> everything but like uh I, I, I'm, <laughs> yeah i'm, I'm just, <laughs> yep yep I don't know. I, I think it's cool. Like I, I like for somebody that just wants to kick back and watch like 
uh, like in a, a tournament, especially something as big as Worlds, I think I definitely want to see it on Wizards' new shiny toy, right? I want to see it on Arena. I want to I want to see all the the lights and all of this stuff. So, and you can design special stages from the like you know the team's perspective to like put on Arena uh, just for Worlds. That'll make it real cool. I don't know. I like that. You could do a lot with it. You could also make it so people can watch, like more people will watch it because if you tune in, you may get a code or something like that. Yeah, I I like the concept. I think that's the future. Uh, you know, like magic, paper magic dying, blah blah blah. Like that—that's not the argument that really concerns me. Uh, what really, what concerns me more is competitive integrity. So two two things that's missing, right? So arena, obviously, it's a much better viewing experience. They get much better numbers with the botting and just more accessibility, and people can you know read the cards and things like that. However, they cannot restart games. So if your game crashes for whatever reason, right, and it's a million dollar prize pool, like you're out of luck. Which is kind of unacceptable for a tournament of <laughs> Imagine the Imagine that. <laughs> it will happen, right? It will definitely... You're like, oh, yes, I have won. I've, I've, I've clinched a tournament. And then your game crashes, you restart, you multiply, five, and you lose, right? I, I cannot imagine thing, that. In a oh, yeah. million dollar tournament sitting there sweating, like, even though I'm about to win, am I about to win? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And then the but, second thing is World is a multi-format experience. Usually we play different formats, but currently... Arena only supports standard. So we joked last week that they're going to play Historic, and they might. I don't know, right? Like, they might because they got nothing. They only have standard right now, right? You have limited against bots. Omniscient draft. (laughs) Brawl. Uh, But the competitors have to pay 10,000 gold. The Oko Brawl, where all your creatures are Alks. Oh, yeah. Momir. They do Momir. Oh, boy. Oko Momir. Oh, yeah, dude. I, Can you imagine I, that? <laughs> not like losing out on a million dollars because of Momir? I want to see Pioneer or Modern or Legacy or Limited even, right? But none of those are available. So I think in like two years' time, like Worlds on Arena would be a great idea. But right now it seems a little early and hopefully it goes off without a hitch. Like I just don't want to see someone have their client crash feature match and then have to restart the game and there's a totally different outcome. That would be a huge embarrassment to to well, Magic Esports. Well, apparently only uh, 25% of players have to deal with that now, down from 80% <laughs> last month. So they, they should be good. What are the odds that they're among those 25%? Uh, I was going to say the same thing that you said, Richard. Uh, I like the idea of uh, Worlds being on Arena long-term, but it feels a little premature since we don't have Pioneer yet. We don't really have other real formats. We don't have real limited. So I feel like almost exactly what you said. If this change was happening a couple years in the future, I think I'd be like fully on board. As it is, I'm a little skeptical because I, I just feel like maybe it's not quite time for Arena to uh, have Worlds yet, but we'll see what happens. Next topic of Lightning Round. They had a special event this week celebrating uh, Theros after the Game Awards, and it included some interesting cards uh, that we've never seen on Magic Arena before. Power 9, most specifically. Uh, Black Lotuses, Moxin, Ancestral Recalls. What did you think of that event, and uh, what does that mean about the client and what can be done with it? That was so much fun. I got to cast an Ancestral Recall. That was an amazing feeling. So, I... I, I, oh... 
You never I, catch treasure so f- cruise, my friend. <laughs> no, 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 no. This, this is instant speed. It's a better treasure cruise. Oh, that was like, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. Like this, this is one of like I even played the Elspeth deck, and that was a lot of fun. Going turn one like Mox, and then going Crusade, and then turn two History of Banalia. Like that felt amazing. Uh, but like it was just cool seeing all these old cards get played. Uh, and and you know I. I, I like this because they're just programming older cards, which means that, you know, more things can happen. Like maybe some kind of weird vintage cube-esque looking thing. Yeah, that's, that's what I would love to see. I think for me, like pre-con battles are kind of meh, but it's cool to see those cards on the client and uh, exciting because of the possibilities that offers where maybe you can have like a vintage cube in the future. Maybe there are like other things that are that are going to be happening sooner than we think because we keep seeing these little signs of like, oh, there's like these 20 cards for Momir and then Power 9 for this like after party event. So who knows how many cards are actually like floating around behind the scenes that we haven't seen yet. And maybe we get some of that really cool stuff a lot faster than most people think. Yeah. I, I think <laughs> what if the event this get was... added to historic? Sure. I'm not going to lie to you. That's what I first thought. When I first saw that Black Lotus was on Magic Arena, I'm like, the heck? Did they just add it to historic? Like, what's going on, right? <laughs> but the event was pretty cool because uh, you... You got to preview Theros cards. Like, I don't know. You guys cast Elspeth. She feels super powerful to you guys, right? Like, got that to go. Got to... Most players cast their first Black Lotus ever, right? Like, I cast Black Lotus. I'm like, oh, I see. I don't know how vintage players deal with this. Like, when I have the Black Lotus, my opponent has nothing. It's not too bad here because all I do is, like, Cavalier for nothing. And it's like, it's not too bad. But imagine you played real cards with that five man or four man you had, right? So, yeah, I got to play Lotus, Moxon... Soul Ring. I didn't play. I didn't play Recall. In fact, I never even cast any of the Planeswalkers. <laughs> like I never drew them. Uh, but yeah, I thought it was a pretty cool experience. Uh, last arena topic. We got some more tournament news, Krim. Uh, who announced uh, a tournament series coming up in 2020, and what's the deal with that? So I'm pretty excited about this for anybody that's like followed like Hearthstone and whatnot, and just like the yes, the H word. Uh, like DreamHack <laughs> has now announced they're doing an arena circuit. And for those that have been looking for more, like, com- like you know, digital competitive play out of Arena, well, now we have, like, DreamHack, which is a big, like, tournament organizer. They, I think they're a company that, they're just big in esports, so more more esports events for Magic. So I think the first one coming up, I think, is, like, Anaheim, and I'm really excited to play that one. Or No, it's Atlanta and then Anaheim, so just another big circuit for uh arena and i i that's this is exactly what i'd love i've been wanting to see i was like waiting to see when dreamhack would pick something up for arena yeah yeah i pretty cool. think more tournaments are definitely a good thing for sure i mean we're seeing the investment in arena kind of pay off right we have like fandom we have twitch rivals we have dreamhack now so basically people who are not wizards and scg are picking up magic tournaments yeah and I mean, like, all, all I have to, I mean, I can only hope, though, that by then, when you go to these big events, hopefully your, uh, like, game doesn't crash. And that's about it, right? Like, that, because like, that, that would feel, like, once again, also pretty bad. But yeah, just excited to see them pick up the tournament series. Finally, before Fishmail, we actually have a, a whole new Magic-related game that was announced this week. Magic Legends 
I'm gonna let you guys handle this one because I I don't even know what this is. What this is this is like anime level uh, of obliviousness for me. I just have no idea what's anime going on. Anime levels. Whoa, so dude. what is what is? Uh, no, no, no. My my ignorance is similar to my ignorance for anime. Uh, what is this game? What is it about? Uh, who is it for? Fill me in because I'm genuinely curious about Magic Legends. Magic MMO. For those that love MMOs and stuff like that, uh, this this is going to be something that is going to appeal to you. Um, like, as somebody who, believe it or not, doesn't only play card games, this is uh, this is big, right? This is big for me because it's nice to actually, like, you, you can do a lot with this because there's a lot of magic lore, a lot of planes. You can move around between places. Like, I think that there's just a lot you can do. You play with classes. I don't know. Maybe you could be a temporal mage or something like that. I don't know how you'd build your classes, but... There's there's just a lot you can do. This you can build a huge world that'll be a blast to play, and you can team up with friends. There's just a lot you can do. I'm a bit skeptical about an MMO. So they called it an action RPG MMO, which I don't know what it means. Oh oh boy, my phone refuses to mute. Sorry guys, <laughs> <laughs> I have pressed all the buttons on my phone. It is not turning off. Okay, so I remember this news was a long time ago because this is exactly what happened. I was like, who plays MMOs nowadays? This was like probably like three years ago, right? So, and then afterwards, I was like, huh, I used to play MMOs. I used to play Final Fantasy XI, like way back. And then after doing some quote unquote research for the Magic MMO, I started playing Final Fantasy XIV. And then I got sucked into like a year or two of like playing MMOs again. Terrible. Like, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> and then now this game is finally released like a million years later, announced. And the thing with MMOs is you have to be really, really good. Like, you can't just rely on IP. Like, you can't just rely on the fact that they're magic players or whatever, right? Or Planeswalkers and Chandra, Nissa, whatever. Yeah. It has to be an actual good game. So, I don't know. Like, there's only room for so many MMOs on the market, and it's really hard to make a good MMO. So, I'm not holding my breath that this will be a fun game. And the also, the other fact is... With Wizards monetization, I'm a little scared. I'm a little scared at how they're going to, you know, fleece us with loot boxes and things like that. You have right? to buy so, every spell and ability. <laughs> I, I I think that's what it's going to be, right? You can't even buy it. You got to buy like a pack that gets like a random one and you might be able to get it, right? So I'm a little skeptical, but I do like that the Magic Universe is expanding into more formats, and if I never play or see or touch the game, that's perfectly fine as long as someone out there enjoys it. So I do like that the IP is spreading to different kind of non-card game areas. So from, let's say, Magic Puzzle Quest being a 1, and Magic <laughs> Arena being a 10, like, how relevant is this to the game overall? Like, is this, is this like some huge news that's going to like do tons of crazy things and bring in a ton of new players? Or is it just kind of like, eh, it's another game that some people might like? If done well, this will make, like, this will just put more eyes on magic as a brand and all of this and not just a card game. Uh, and I think that'll be pretty cool. That'll be great for the game and just overall everything magic related, right? Cause now we've got the magic, uh, show coming on Netflix. Like, Magic as a brand will just grow. Now, there's obvious, like Richard has said, I, there are a lot of MMOs out there. So, and like getting, you have to do the, like, if, if, if done right, this would be huge. There's obviously like room for this to fail and whatnot, but like it, 
I'm more on the hopeful side that, I mean, because I'd, I'd rather it be good. So then I just have more magic in case, you know, Veil of Summer just runs rampant again or ever gets unbanned. I could just play the MMO, still get my magic feel, and and not get dunked down by Veil or stuff like that. What One thing they, they absolutely must do, and if they don't, I'm going to cry so hard, is you should be able to play magic in the game. Oh, I... <laughs> like, like, sit down, like, you know, like... Like, you know, like all the like Witcher. the old school RPGs or whatever, like they have like a card game inside the game itself, like a mini game. Yeah, like you should the be able to sit down with, with two Gwent. pre-cons. Yeah, and like just go at it. <laughs> <laughs> I, does does this though like make like Magic Arena bigger? I mean, if the once again, if like the MMO takes off and it's just like like just ridiculously popular, sure, people are gonna probably look into more things Magic, right? I mean, Gwent lived off the back of people just playing because like well i like the witcher i'll try gwent so could be a big deal if it's well done but potentially challenging to make a good mmo is that is that kind of the bottom line for uh for magic legends yeah but plus like mmo players are a small base anyway like if this was like uh like a survival game or a shooter or something like that. Oh, God. Then Call of Duty <laughs> magic style? Yeah. Yes, basically, magic right? Like, it would have potential to be crazy, right? But, like, only a certain subset of people play MMOs, <laughs> right? But, yeah, there could be people that learn about magic just through this game. Depends on how yeah. well they do it. Well, you got to think about it in the bigger picture of what magic's going to do, like, in the next few years, right? Magic yeah. is just going to have a this the show so there there is going to be a lot of eyes on just the brand that is magic and like you know there's probably going to be more th- ways to enjoy the world of magic so i think this is pretty big and it just this falls in line like just with everything they've probably got set in motion right now so yeah well, I, but i'm fingers crossed for, uh, it ends up good i'm waiting for like a 2d fighter like a sprite based fighter <laughs> like a marvel versus capcom style game can you imagine that you know, like they have like the cheesy lines they come out and like sean <laughs> just Mar- throwing fireballs and jace is throwing up a bubble or some crap like yeah oh. because this, i would I think about magic that. street fighter yeah like well dude think about it like okay we played marvel versus capcom and i remember saying like web swing like spider-man <laughs> yeah. like for weeks like i don't know like could use the arena <laughs> voice lines yeah <laughs> Temporal kick from like <laughs> Temeri or something like that. <laughs> so good. <sighs> All right. Uh, I think that brings us to the end of our arena slash magic legends discussion. Richard, let's uh, answer some fish mail on the way out the door. Take it away. All right. If you have questions, send them to at MTG Goldfish with the hashtag MTG Fish Mail, and we'll get to your questions on air. So, first question comes via email. Uh, everyone has been talking about how absurdly overpowered green has been recently yet while i can remember recent or fairly recent tournaments won by mono red blue black and white decks i don't remember the last time mono green won a tournament when if ever did that last occur and why do you think mono green is not capable of winning from ryan mono green loving timmy uh, <laughs> i i think that green has had a huge, like, I don't know, because like every one of those colors just started adding green, right? Like every, it, like before it used to be like, oh, just add blue to stuff, or and then it'll just do fine, right? But now it's like add green because it breaks the color pie. It does everything that you want to do. It has counter spells. It has draw effects. It has the best creatures. Like I mean, like why hasn't green mono green on its own one though? That is like because all the stuff that's in mono green is just big stompy stuff. And usually, I don't know, like, if, if I'm riding all in on something like 
Agalta. I don't know if that's good enough, as weird as that sounds on its own. I feel like, yeah, we haven't seen too many mono green decks, I guess, win tournaments, but we've seen a lot of, like, base green decks do yeah. really well for a long period of time through, like, the Oko decks and Standard. Uh, we have, right now, the top two decks in Pioneer are, like, Simic Ramp and Blue-Green Stompy, which are essentially very close to mono green decks that are, like, splashing Oko and maybe, yeah. like, counter spells or something. So, well, I don't know, I consider green. those... Right? There is mono green as well, although, like, I think the most successful decks are, like, the ones that are, like, splashing because it's almost free to, like, splash a couple of blue cards. So I feel like even though mono green hasn't dominated the tournament scene, green as a color has been the top color uh, in Standard and in Pioneer uh, going back for, like, a, a while now. Like, uh, at least for, like, the last six months, it really could argue back to, like, Tireless Tracker, Courser of Crufix days in Standard. Yeah. It's probably been the number one color. Uh, over an extended period of time. I think what maybe whenever Mardu Vehicles was, was the last time maybe green wasn't the best color. Yeah, that that sounds about right to me. Yeah. Uh, I, I think green hasn't had any mechanics that are overpowered. So typically the other monocolor decks usually use some kind of mechanic to their advantage, uh, except for red and white, which are just aggro colors. So green just has good creatures and good everything else. And usually you pair that with another color because just good creatures alone doesn't get it done you need something uh and usually in standard it's free to add a second color very rarely do we do we not have that but you know you can play mono green great henge or something or there was a time where you could steal leaf into galta and like be mono green uh next question Captain Woodrow, I just got my Secret Lair bundle and cashed in my arena promo should I sell the moto promo code or redeem it and sit on it do I open boxes for the stained glass walkers or leave them 100% sealed? I'm too... Imp- I, I couldn't... I mean, the, the restraint you were practicing by just not opening those secret layer boxes <laughs> to see what uh, stained glass planeswalkers you have are is, is great. Because, I mean, I I, I cannot... I, I would just... I would want to open those. I want to see what stained glass planeswalkers I have. I... If you don't care for the moto stuff, I would... Then I you can just get rid of it. But, like, I mean, I like avatars. I like, you know... It, as you all have probably already know, I, I love my cosmetics in game, so I will I, I'm always all for it. I don't know how much you can sell the moto code for. I think the cards, like if you added them up, might be worth like eight ish ticks on Magic Online. So that's not like super high value, and I don't expect them to like increase drastically in the near future since there's gonna be a ton of supply. Uh so I don't know. I too would probably try to open and see what the stained glass planeswalker was. Like I just I, I don't think I could resist the like lotto ticket aspect of it. Yeah. I have but, a box right here. Should I open it? It's Tomer's. Yes. <laughs> oh, it's oh, oh, it's Tomer's then yes. <laughs> well, I, I, I need to open it anyway yes. to send to him to get around. Uh, let's, let's see what the Planeswatcher is, Richard. Okay, crack gonna, it open. I'm going to open it right now. I have yeah, right now Killers. <laughs> if it's box. Teferi, say that he never got a promo. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll edit it out. He'll never know. Yeah. <laughs> Turns out Wizards forgot your promo. Sorry, dude. <laughs> Let's see. I'm opening it right now. Oh, there's like a lot of... It comes very well packaged. <laughs> there's like tissue around the box yeah. for some reason. Ooh. See, this just makes international shipping very expensive for no reason. All right. <laughs> Wait, where's the promo? Oh, here's, yes. Here's Reaper King. Oh, I, f- I see it. I see it. I see it. Darn it. So I was like, oh, yes. It, yes, where is the promo? <laughs> oh, it's yeah, Domri. Anarch oh. of Volus. 
Never mind. <laughs> Found your promo. Oh, God, it's Homer. It's here. Okay. That's that's fine. That's not horrible. Uh, we live in such an age of waste. We have like four cards here and the amount of packaging I have on my desk <laughs> for these like four cards that weigh like one ounce. <laughs> All right. Uh, next fishmail question. Lex3001, am I the only MTGA player that uses the good game emote if the game is good, not to signal it's about to be over, but that it's fun or competitive? Yes. <laughs> I think you might be. <laughs> Mostly people use it to troll me when they when they think they're about to win. That's been my, my experience. Uh, I, I hit good game at all points. So of the match, like I hit it at the beginning of the match, in the middle of the match. So I, I would say you aren't the only person. I do know that there are, there's a very small group of people that still do that. <laughs> but usually it's not. So, so here's way. the problem, right? If you, if you good game before the game ends, it's considered BM, right? However, there is no opportunity after the game ends. Like when the game ends, you just go to the victory screen and that's it. So some people try to like sneak in the good game and then if you're too slow, you can't good game them back before the victory screen or <laughs> defeat screen comes up. So you're like, oh no, I just BM'd them. It, it's, just a, it's just a mess. They should just have a post-game lobby where you can just emote each other. <laughs> that's optional, right? You can quit and you can just be like, good game, good game. Otherwise, you gotta... You gotta like send the lethal attack and do the good game and hope they don't take it as the uh, offensive GG. <laughs> Y'all, like, oh. And by the way, if anyone's listening on the team, please remove the mute emotes option. <laughs> no, no, please don't. <laughs> please remove that option. Uh, all right, 11 Vicious. During Cube's Miss, have you thought about streaming Vintage Cube on Magic Online? Yes, I will. We will stream Vintage Cube because I love Vintage Cube. I played it uh, a few drafts over the weekend when I had time, and uh, yes, we will definitely do a Vintage Cube stream. We don't do it that often because uh, limited streams are never very popular, and I feel like people don't like them. But we definitely will do at least one Vintage Cube. Uh, last question. Benjamin with a T. Based on the reception power level of Modern Horizons, do you foresee a Pioneer Horizons type of set in the future? Yes. yes. Horizons? So they or or not or masters. Well, so I, I'm guessing Horizons is they insert cards directly into format. Masters is a reprint set for for whatever. I, I think I think a masters, sorry. Not not a Horizons. I think the life of Pioneer will be very similar to the life of Modern, where we won't have anything for a couple years, then we'll have master sets, then we'll have horizon sets. Then we will have uh, a post-Horizon format, like eight or ten years from now, after we have the Horizon set, <laughs> and then we repeat it again from the beginning. All right. That's all the questions we have this week. Thank you to everyone who sent them in. If you have questions, you can send them to at MTGGoldfish with the hashtag MTGFishmail, and we'll get to your questions on air. And on that note, I think it brings us to the end of episode 255 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So, Richard Grimm, thanks for hanging out. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We will be back next week to talk about whatever happens in the world of magic. So, until then, this is the crew signing out. Yeah.